0: I just come from Borden. They're having a great time over there. Lots of people. Some more new faces that I'd not seen since last time I was there, which was last week, by the way. So, so that's good. Um, it's just great being over there. They're just so full of life. And not that we're not full of life here, uh, but they're just, they're just really seeking after the things of God for White Hill and Borden. And so it's really, really good. Um, have you, uh, hopefully, you should have a little handout. Well done, Amber. Good, I haven't remembered them. If you haven't got one, put your hand up and someone will rush to you. Maybe, if there's some left. Put your hand up right high in the air. Don't just kind of look like you haven't got one, but put your hand up. Jordan's on it, it's fine. His flip-flops are moving as fast as they possibly can. Um, so, we've been doing a series in grace, just while we get those. Keep your hand up until you've got one. Don't be ashamed, it's all right. It's fine, I'm not going to shame you. Say, so you should have picked up on the way in. Come on, guys. No, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Here he comes, look, in his flippily-flops. Okay, so, um, we've been doing a series on grace and we've been doing it for quite a few weeks now and it could start to think, man, are we still talking about grace? But, you know, Terry Virgo, whose book that we're preaching from, he basically has spent his whole life preaching on grace and so it must be fairly important if he's given that much time to it. At the front here as well, Jordan. Just down here. Good. Uh, For future reference, not for visitors, by the way, it's fine, but if you've been coming to this church for a few weeks now, You should probably know they're at the front when you come in. Okay, that's all I'm going to say on it. Visitors, it's okay, it's acceptable to not have it. Uh, But we've been doing a series on grace and we've been looking at how amazing God's grace is to us. And we're working through what that actually means. God's lavish grace to us and we're going to keep talking about it for another few weeks because actually it's so important that we really understand God's grace and what it means to us. Because if we don't understand that then we won't be able to live the life that God has called us to. And the life that actually God is, has given us, it's not just he's called us to a life, he's given us a life that we should be living, uh, that we are, we're his children. And so we must understand grace. And so this week we're looking at, um, uh, into this world, in this world but not of it, grace teaches us to say no. So in, in this world but not of it, grace teaches us to say no. And before we get to grace teaches us to say no to certain things, we have to deal with this, kind, this phrase, in the world but not of it. Um, because over the years I, I think it's been miscommunicated and misunderstood and people in the church have misunderstood what in the world but not of it means and so it's really important that we really understand what that phrase means, in the world but not of the world because if we, mis-, if we misinterpret it then we'll miscommunicate it to ourselves and to others and we'll end up living a life that actually we've not we've not been called to, and so it's, we must uh, understand. Now, there's lots of points, by the way, on your, on your sheet. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I plan to get to the end, but I might not, okay? So if you're one of those people that needs all the gaps filled in and I don't quite get there, then please come and see me afterwards. Uh, but sometimes I get a bit excited in the middle, uh, and so if I feel like I should spend a bit more time talking about something else, then that might just happen. We're just going to go with that. But if you really need the bits at the end, then please come and see me and I can help you fill in the gaps, Okay. So, in the world but not of the world, what does it mean? Well, we probably should understand what it doesn't mean to start with. That's always a good place to start. So, um, it doesn't mean, as it has often been communicated, that actually we should gather together in our little Christian huddles and separate us ourselves from the world as much as possible. The world is an evil place and a terrible place, and if we go anywhere near it, anything to do with the world anything to do with what society says about how we should live, then we'll become tarnished. And so the best thing to do is to gather together in little holy huddles, um, our churches, build some nice buildings and gather in those, uh, and then maybe once a week we might meet as well. But we'll just, we'll just be among ourselves, because that way we can protect ourselves from the world. Because we're in the world, we, we haven't got a choice in that matter, but we're not of this world, so let's separate ourselves as much as we possibly can. But the problem is that that leads to us not doing what we're actually called to do. And um, a couple of Christmases ago, I went to Christmas... Wait. I went to Christmas. (laughs) It was Christmas a couple of years ago. And I went to a a church I'd not been to. And um, it was Midnight Mass. I went to Midnight Mass. And uh, it was cold. It was a cold winter. I was wearing a hat. I was wearing a woolly hat. It was cold in the church. So I continued to wear my woolly hat. And I was quite near the back. um, And... um, about 20 minutes in, a lady tapped me on the shoulder um, and said, excuse me, young man, could you take your hat off, please? We don't wear hats in this church. And I thought, Oh, okay, we don't wear hats in this church. And I said no, actually. Uh, I felt like a bit of a rebel. Um, but it wasn't, I wasn't saying no because I just wanted an argument and I wanted it to be difficult. Actually, do you know what? I wanted to challenge her attitude and her The way she saw people that came into their church, she was obviously a regular because she was helping with lots of different things and she was serving in lots of different ways and doing all of the right things. But I wanted to challenge her of how she, how did she respond when people came into the church? So I said no, mainly because my hair's a mess now. I've been wearing this hat all day. I'm not going to take it off. But then I thought. What would actually? She doesn't know me. She doesn't know that I go to church. She doesn't know that I live under the grace of God, that I'm a child of God. She doesn't know any of that. I could have been anybody. I could have been in real need of Jesus. And the first thing she said to me was, can you take your hat off? And I thought, man, imagine if someone actually came into your church who really needed Jesus. Now, God is good sometimes. And about 10 minutes later, a group of about four or five young people came in who had obviously been out doing whatever. They were quite merry when they came into the church. They came in, and sat at a back row, they were, they were making noise, they were, they were causing a bit of a disturbance, a bit of a kerfuffle, and, um, and I thought, Ooh, I'm just going to watch how this plays out, and, uh, and sure enough, someone went over to them and asked them to be a bit quieter, you know, can you just be a bit quieter, we're in church, and, um, and then they didn't, obviously, because, I don't know, they may have been there getting out of the cold, they may have just wanted to cause a bit of trouble, they may have just wanted to cause a disruption or take the mickey a little bit, maybe they wanted to do that, but you know what, they needed Jesus. And eventually, it just played out that, eventually, they were just ushered out the doors, back onto the streets, because they were making too much noise. They were creating a disturbance, and uh, my dad, who is one of my heroes, probably the biggest hero, other than Jesus, um, he went after them. Unfortunately, they'd run off before he could get there, but he went after them, because he thought, whoa, hang on a minute, this is not how we're meant to respond. We don't want to protect ourselves, and huddle away in a little holy huddle, and just not talk to anybody, so... It definitely doesn't mean that, in the world, but not of it. definitely doesn't mean protect yourself. And um, John Piper, who's a, a theologian, a, a church leader, he's done lots of uh, podcasts online, he knows a lot about the Bible, he's looked a lot into the Bible, and he's really helpful sometimes. And um, quite, Actually, a lot of the time he's really helpful. And um, he's got an article on this, and um, he talks about how actually we should, we should flip the phrase around, that we've got the emphasis in the wrong place, that we say we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And what that's doing is, is saying that in the world is our starting point. And our mission and our goal is to not be of this world. So while we're here, stuck in this world that is so terrible and ghastly, um, we, need, we should protect ourselves and withdraw as much as we possibly can until that glorious day comes when we are taken to heaven to be with Jesus forever. See, it says that not of this world is Our destination. And in the world is our starting place. But actually, that results in just whole communities of Christians just living by themselves. And you get that around the world. There's, there's whole communities that just go into the countryside and build their own community and never talk to anyone other than Christians. Let's not fool ourselves that sometimes we do that, even though we've not deliberately kind of built our own little community. Actually, sometimes we do that. We have a dinner party and we'll only invite people from the church or we'll go down the pub we'll go to the pub uh, but we'll only take people from the church with us and I know actually lots of people here don't do that which is great but actually if we if we put the emphasis on we're in the world but our mission is to not be of this world then actually we we get it wrong and so the best place to look uh, is Jesus what did Jesus have to say on this matter so Um, If you open your Bibles, if you'd like to, or you can just listen along, to John 17. So John chapter 17, verse 14 to 18. Part of it is on your sheet, actually, but I don't think it's quite in full on your sheet. Uh, So John 17, 14 to 18. So Jesus is praying at this point, and uh, he says, I have given them your words, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. "...I do not ask that you take them out of this world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world." You see, the not of this world comes before the being sent into this world. We are already not of this world. So Jesus is saying, he's not saying, hey guys, I know you're stuck in this world and it's a really ghastly place and there's some terrible people out there that don't believe in the same things as you, but, but, but seriously, trust me, just wait a minute, it might be a few years, but just huddle together, gather together, protect yourself as much as you can, try and stay away from the troublemakers, stay away from the outcasts, stay away from the people that don't do life exactly the same as you, just kind of, just, if they come near you, just kind of, just politely, just move out the way of them and um, it'll be great one day because you're not of this world one day, you're going to be in heaven. Just get through this life, one day you're going to be in heaven. Try not to have too much contact with those worldly people. He's not saying that. He's saying, hey guys, always remember, you are not of this world. Because you are a child of the Most High King. The God of all the universe, the Lord of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, has chosen you. Has called you personally. You're a citizen of heaven. That's what you are now. But your mission, as was my mission, is to go into the world. Because you have a light that will shine in the darkest of places. But a light does not shine if you shine it in the light, it shines brightest in the darkness. Jesus was saying, take the light, go into the world, love God, and love the people around you, and let your light shine for all to see. Don't hide it away, let it shine for all to see. See, it's not, we are in the world, but our mission is to not be part of the world, and do everything we can to not associate with anybody outside of the church. We're called to be like Jesus, and Philippians 2 tells us to be imitators of Christ. It tells us to follow his example. So Philippians 2, 2-11, it's fairly long, but it's just a great passage. It says this, Therefore, if, any encouragement in, if if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God exalted him, highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name in which is above all names, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And if you skip to 14, it says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach, get this next bit, in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation, among whom you appear... As lights in the world. It says in the midst. Right in the middle of the darkness. That's where we are sent to. Right in the middle. Shine your light in the middle of the darkness. And people will see it. Jesus was not of this world. But he humbled himself. And came to this world not to judge but to love he came to show love to people he went into the darkness he didn't compromise who he was he didn't compromise his morals or his belief or his standards but what he did do is he walked into the darkest places and he shone for all to see he didn't have to say anything people saw that he had something good and they wanted it. You've got some light. How do I get that light? He called a tax collector to be one of his disciples. Even now some people you know, don't particularly like the tax man. But back then they hated the tax man. He was, they cheated. They took more money than they should have taken. Blah, 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 blah. You might think they still do that. But it's kind of legally now. But uh, back then it was illegally. And uh, they just take. And they took and took and took. And they were not very nice people. People didn't like them. But Jesus was like, hey, you. Come and follow me. And he was like, wait, but I'm living... Did he say, no, actually, I'm living this life here and I've got loads of money, thanks very much. I'm going to keep this loads of money. No, no, he said, forget it. I'm following this guy. He's clearly got something better than what I was living before. See, that's how Jesus lived. Another tax collector, he saw him in a tree and he said, oh, you, you. Did he say, come to my house for tea? Come to my house because then I can contain you and your dirtiness. And so I can just contain you in my house because my house is clean. So I will invite you, and I will have dinner with you, but it's on my terms in my house, so that you can't influence me or my children. Well, Jesus wouldn't have said that because he didn't have children. But you get the point. He's like, come over here. I I do want to love the outcast, but come to my house so that I can sort of contain you as much as possible. No, no, he didn't. He said, you, Zacchaeus, get out of the tree. I want to come to your house to have dinner. You don't have to come to mine. We don't have to go to a safe place. I'm going to come to your house. What did he do? He got out of the tree, came to Jesus, took him to his house, had dinner. Jesus preached like a 100-hour sermon, and Zacchaeus was saved. He didn't do that. He just had dinner with him. And Zacchaeus went, whoa, this guy's different. And his life changed. Changed his life because he met Jesus. You see, we're called to imitate Christ. We're called to go into the darkness with our light, we're not of this world, but we're called to go into this world. To be like Christ, to be loving, to be accepting, to be forgiving, to be non-judgmental. We don't have to compromise our beliefs. We can live as we, God has called us to live, in the darkness. And we'll do what Jesus did. Because Jesus said, I've come to offer you life, and life to the full. And if we demonstrate that life, people will want that life. They will want the light that you have. Now, um, I move the table because I have an illustration to help us with this. Uh, As you know, I've mentioned it before, I do love movies. And um, I've mentioned this before too, I love sporting movies in particular. The reason I love movies, I've mentioned this before too, is because they reflect the story of God. Every book you read, every story you read, every film you watch reflects the story of God. It's not very—it's perfect in the beginning, someone comes and messes it up, then a hero comes along has a fight with the guy that messes it up, then the hero wins and everything's perfect in the end. It's the gospel. That's why people, even if they don't know God, they love stories. Because something inside them wants that to happen in their life. That's why we love movies. That's why we spend billions and billions on making movies. They're filming one up there at the moment in Friends of Little Pond. It's ridiculous. They've been there four weeks. In the movie, it'll be like one minute. We love watching movies because we love the story of good versus evil and that good wins in the end And because we want that for our own life, even if someone doesn't know God. My favourite type of movies are sporting movies, especially if they're made by Disney, because if you're on the side of Disney, you always win in the movie, which is great. And so here's what I want to do. I need some volunteers. I'd just so you know, the way this works is if I don't get volunteers, I will just choose. Yes! Come on, Danny. Get down here. Let's go. Bayliss, get out here as well. You're definitely going to love this. T, get out here. Uh, actually, Roy, you can come too. It's good. Uh, Juliet, you can come. That's good. Yeah, Amber, you can, you can get up here. Great. Anyone else want to come? It's going to be fun. Emily, come on. Come on down here. Now, um, one of my favourite sporting movies are um, American football movies if you don't know how American football works uh, it's, it's actually really simple it's really simple and in, con- it, it, in its like, you know, simplest form it's very simple they need to get the ball from the position they're in to the other end of the field that is basically it there's a lot of other complicated stuff but that's it uh, but it goes play at a time it doesn't really flow like English football uh, it goes like a play at a time so they'll play for like 30 seconds and they might make some ground and then they'll get battered by the other team so they have to stop and then they'll have about 30, 30 seconds to regroup and to regroup in a huddle. Okay, so they regroup in a huddle, and the quarterback, who's the kind of like the most important guy, who were, he, he's the guy that calls the place, he'll be listening to the coach, the coach will be telling him what to do, and he'll communicate that. He's got 30 seconds to fire his troops up, so they can advance down the field. Matt, you're definitely going to Matt. Come on, come on, come on, come on. So I'm the quarterback. T, you're going to have to move. Sorry, you're like a wide receiver. You're much faster than me, uh, so that's fine. So what we need to do is... Sorry, What? women play American football. I chose you so that at the end, nobody would say to me, oh, you chose all men for your illustration. <laughs> and now, what you're telling you know, me... You do that? Unbelievable. Right. Get over here. Get in here. Right, gather around in a huddle. So, they'll huddle around together, and um, here's... First of all, here's how it doesn't go, okay? <clears throat> okay, um, guys. Um, they're really big, okay? Um, I think we've probably... We underestimated them, um, probably overestimated ourselves. Um, I'm a bit scared. I can see that somebody... somebody, Matt, I can see you're a bit scared. There's a tear. I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll tell you what we'll do. Because whatever happens, the end of the game will come, okay? It it is two quarters away, so maybe, like, two hours. Um, But um, if we just huddle like this and stay here, (laughs) people might laugh a bit. They might laugh a bit, but we'll be protected. And... um, T. One of them is trying to get in, so could you just kick in a little bit? Just, just kick in there. Get with, That's good. Yeah, good. Um, just pretend that. Just stay here. Maybe we can just just talk to ourselves, and we'll be safe. We'll be fine. Okay. So just don't move. The end of the game will come. That's not how it happens. That would be ridiculous. It'd be the most boring game in the world. You just have two huddles of people just huddling, huddling around, just talking. That's not how it happens. This is how it happens. Okay, back in a huddle. Okay. <laughs> Right, listen up, Bayliss. Okay, you have been slacking all game. You see over there, 60 yards away, that's our destination. Okay, you have to get the ball... Over there, okay? We're not staying here in this huddle. We've got 30 seconds in this huddle. We've got to get the ball. You, Stevens, are bigger than that guy, okay? So when I when that guy snaps the ball back to me, I want you to run over that guy, okay? Just run through him and get to the end zone because we're not meant to stay here in this little huddle. We're meant to go over there, okay? That's our goal. Okay, T, seriously, if you fall over one more time accidentally, I am going to be so annoyed. Okay, so straight through, Juliet, just run, okay, run, just run like crazy, because we're not going to stay here, we're meant to be over there, and then we won't do the play, it's fine, you may sit down, thank you very much, good, they were ready, man, they were ready to run, because the goal of an American football player is not to stay in a huddle, it's to go out there and get the ball to the end zone. That's the goal. It's not just to stay in a huddle till the ref blows a whistle at the end of the game and then they can all go home and have a nice bath and just get warm and cosy again. No, no. Their goal is there. You see, as Christians, it's not, we're not meant to huddle together and just stay safe. We are not of this world. But we're being sent into this world. We're being sent to the world. As Jesus went to the world... Was sent to the outcasts. Women that love the outcast. I just love that story of Jesus and the leper. You know, he there was a centurion, and the guy was like, Don't you don't even need to come to the town. You can heal him just by speaking. And he was like, Yeah, you're right, he's healed. Yeah, this leper, who probably no one had touched for years and hadn't hadn't felt human embrace for years, he didn't need to touch her. He could have just said, be healed. But it, the touch he touched because that's what was needed and he healed because he wanted to demonstrate to the world we are called to such as these we're called to embrace them not just invite them to our houses where we can contain it and keep it safe and they can't influence our children too much no we're called to go to them to embrace them That's what we're called to do. And so, Jesus did it without compromising his belief. He lived his life in their world. And they saw that his life was better than the one they were living. And they changed. That's what we're called to do. So how how do we remain not of this world and go into the world? How How do we do it? How do we say no to certain things? Because... You know, some things aren't good for us. Some things aren't good for us. And so, uh, point two, I think, on your sheet. Oh, good, we're on to two. That's good. Uh, Is obey your conscience. You can fill that in. Don't worry if you don't spell it right. It took me quite a lot of spell checking on the computer to get it right. Uh, Conscience, that's it. Good, that's very helpful. Uh, So, obey your conscience. You know, last time I preached, I said that you can ignore your feelings and emotions and just tell them to get out of here if if they are not in agreement with what the word of God says. But actually God has given us minds and he's given us a conscience so that we can be guided by that. So we actually should obey our conscience. But here's the problem. If we feed it with junk and maybe just a little bit of God's truth, then our life will just be a little bit mixed up. And it will be a little bit confused. Because we're doing what we're called to do, obey our minds and obey our conscience. God has given us them to us for a reason, to make decisions but actually we've been feeding them a little bit of truth, but quite a lot of junk. And so when we come to live it out, we get very confused. And so we must feed our conscience and feed our mind with the truth of God, with the word of God. Best place to look, by the way, is the Bible. And feed yourself with the truths. Get them in. Meditate on them day and night. Just learn them. Let them sink in. You're a child of God. You're loved by me. You're not of this world, but go into this world. Shine that light to them. See, if we put more rubbish in than we put good in, then rubbish will come out. That's just how it works. Rubbish will come out. So let's make sure we're feeding our conscience with the good. And then we can obey that conscience. You see, we need to have a healthy conscience. We need to have a healthy mind in order to live out God's amazing grace in the world that he's sent us into. You see, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12 says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You see, there's the difference. You can go into the world, you can share a drink with someone who doesn't believe in God, doesn't come to church, you can share a drink with them. But actually, if it gets to the point where you are being mastered by drink, then something's gone wrong. Because actually, you're a child of God, living under the grace of God. So you can go there, as Jesus did. Wine ran out of the wedding, turned some water into wine. I think he was okay with it. It's was okay with wine. But actually, if you let those things start to master you and they become more important than Jesus is to you, and the grace and the life that you're called into, then actually your healthy conscience has slipped slightly. And you're not living the life that God has called you to. And your light won't shine as brightly. Because people will be confused. Because maybe what you're living is actually just kind of closer to what they're living. And so they're just they're like, well, I don't see any difference. So what's, what's there? But actually if you go into the world and you associate with people... You hang out with people, but you live differently. They will see that light. So have a healthy conscience, a healthy mind, and feed it with the truth of God. Number three. Don't get too excited, because number three actually has four points. So um, we will get there, though. This is the key. Grace teaches us to say no. It teaches us to say no we are going to rattle through these at some pace. okay? So if you can't write very quickly, again, you can come and talk to me at the end. You can get the notes. But grace teaches us to say no in four ways. And it's really important we understand these and we get the truth into us because that will enable us to go out into the world and live as God has called us. So number one, we are totally acceptable to God through our faith in Christ. We are totally acceptable to God Through our faith in Jesus Christ. It's free. You are a winner from the start. You have overcome from the start. Your righteousness that you have got from Jesus was nothing to do with you. You did not earn it. He has given it to you freely. Grace teaches me to say no by telling me that I am already accepted by God. So I'm free to live the life that God is calling me to because Jesus has already given me that life. We are totally acceptable to God through faith in Jesus. Number two, I, when I was preparing, I felt this is really important for some. Okay, so for some of you, this is it's really important for all of us, but I feel particularly it's really important for some. Okay, so we are God's treasured possession, a purchased jewel for his brow. You are God's treasured possession. Psalm 139 has already been mentioned. It says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. That is true of you. God has particular and personal delight in you. He delights in you. God actually delights in you. Just let that sink in for a moment. Because some people really need to let that sink in. God delights in you. It isn't anything to do with you and anything you've done. It's because you are his child and he loves you. If you're a parent, you'll know that that is true. Although their behavior is frustrating and annoying sometimes, your default position is you delight in them. Because they are your child. It's true of you and God. You see, when I say you, I don't mean you, the collective. I mean you personally. I mean you personally. It wasn't a job lot. Like, he was buying a box of stuff, and you just happened to be in it. There was something else he really wanted in the box, and you just happened to be in the box as well. And he was like, okay, um, well, I kind of do want that, but... um, I don't, I want, I do want this, okay, but there's this stuff in the box as well. So, can we, do you mind just keeping that stuff? And I'll just buy this stuff. It wasn't like that. He didn't just get you because you came along with everybody else as a package. No, no, no. He chooses you personally, He loves you personally. God so loved the world that He sent His Son to die so that we could be free. It is for everybody, but you need to understand, it is for you individually. Not just the collective, but for you personally. He will always love you, and he will always treasure you, regardless of what you do. Number three, a great and terrible price has been paid. You see, if you've been in a position where you've had lots of money and you've bought something really precious, you don't then just kind of chuck it around and just let it get on, and just do whatever. You don't just kind of like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I know I paid a million on that, but it's all right. Just like, yeah, I know, it's, it's cool. It's really shiny. It's really precious. But actually, it doesn't, really, it doesn't really matter. You don't do that. And you know what? Jesus has paid a great and terrible price for us. God wanted us back and the price he paid was his son dying on a cross because we'd messed our lives up and he wanted to give us a perfect (laughs) life. So he lived that perfect life and died on a cross so that he could give us the perfect life. That's what he did. A great and terrible price has been paid for us. We've been bought at the highest price. See, grace teaches us to say no to things that aren't good of us good for us because of these things the final one is that our time in this world is fleeting it is and I know I said earlier that actually you know we, we must be the mindset we are sent into this world but it doesn't change the fact that our ultimate goal is eternity forever with Jesus with the Father with the Spirit that's our goal where there'll be no more pain where there'll be no more suffering There'll be no more tears. There'll be rejoicing. It'll be a joyful, wonderful, wonderful place for all eternity. That is what's waiting for us. And this life, compared to that, is tiny. It's a short time we are here in this life. You see, grace teaches us to say no, because the things of this world don't compare with the things of God. They just don't. So when we get distracted by something shiny and pleasurable on this earth, we can remember the truth of God. That what God has for us is so much greater than anything this world has to offer. We are like magpies sometimes, just like distracted by shiny stuff. I do it as well. oh, Oh, they're new things. That's new. What's that? That's brilliant. Oh, I'd love to get some of that. Oh, what's that? Okay. No, definitely this. Definitely this. Oh. Awesome. That is Seriously, I definitely want some of that. We get distracted by the pleasures of the world when we forget that God has the shiniest stuff. You can quote me on that. God has the shiniest stuff. It's simple, but we need to get it. The shiny stuff of this world seems attractive. We're distracted over here by this tiny piece of tinfoil when there's a blazing sun over here that is for us and loves us. Grace teaches us to say no because what God has for us is way better than what this world has for us. Even though sometimes this seems pleasurable. Don't let it master you. Don't let it control you because this is yours. You're a child of God. He loves you. That's who you are. Don't be distracted by these things. So we're not of this world, but we are sent into this world to take the shiny stuff. And people will compare it with what they have. And they will see that the light that we have is way bigger. And that what they have does not compare. People addicted to substances for years and years and years will be set free because they see the light that Jesus has and it's our job to carry that light. We are not of this world, but we go into this world to shine as lights in the darkness. So you must obey your conscience when you do that. If there's something you struggle with, if there's an issue in society that you think, I don't know where I stand on this, then go to the scriptures. Find a friend who may know more than you and say, Can you help me? I'm struggling with this issue. My friend's asking me. I don't know whether I should be living like this or living like this. Go to the scriptures and see what it says. Let it feed your mind. If you find one verse and it doesn't answer it, look for another verse. Look, keep digging deeper. Let the word of God influence your mind. The truth of God influence your mind. Then take it into the world. You see, grace teaches us to say no because we are accepted by God. Because of our faith in Jesus. That's why. Because of our faith in Jesus. We are a treasured possession. Bought at the highest of price. Why would we live any other way than the way that he has got for us? When he has paid such a high price. Jesus died on a cross for me. Why would I let this stuff master my life? It's like just making a mockery of the highest price that was paid for me. You see, grace teaches us to say no. Because our time in this world is fleeting. And we'll soon be gone. But while we're here, we're called to go into the world and love the outcast. And we're called to go into the world and hold our light for all to see. Because we and our light are not from this world. But you see, the people you go to meet, the outcast, the truth is the same for them. It's true for them too. They are not made for this world. And so we are to shine our light, so they can see that too. And if we huddle together, we are in the world, but not of it, they're never going to see the light, because the door is closed. So go into the world, but remember, you are not of this world, And shine your light so that all men may see Jesus and experience the grace of God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we are your children. Lord, I thank you that nothing changes that. That you love us, that you accept us, that you have forgiven us. That we are victorious because of all that your son Jesus has done for us. I thank you that you send your spirit to be with us, to help us to live this life that you have called us to. I pray that you would uh, enable us to live that life. I pray that you would help us and strengthen us every day when we pick up the scriptures and we find it hard or we find it difficult. I pray, would you help us to persevere and to find the truth, not just read a load of Bible verses and memorize them, but actually let them sink in and let them change the way we live our lives, Lord. And as we go into the world, I pray that people would see it. I don't even need to pray that, they will see it. Lord, I pray that we would see many come to know you, not because we've preached at them, not because we've told them the way they're living is wrong, but because we've just gone into their midst and lived a bright, shining life that reflects your glory. And actually they've seen that what they have, whatever it is, is insignificant. And they want to know you. Amen. What a a great word. What a wonderful message. Um, We've run a little bit over time, so uh, we'll close the meeting down now. Um, If you parents could go and get your children, that'll be great. Have a wonderful week. Remember, no meeting tonight, uh, but we'll see you back here with our uh, Borden family next Sunday. Uh, Bless you this coming week. Bye now.